All right, Ole Miss a 52-28 victor over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Jonathan Mingo set a school record for receiving yards that he broke. Uh, just a second, I need to mute this. All right, need to mute that real quick. Um, but Jonathan Mingo was able to do a lot of stuff. I'm here with Bill Flowers. We're going to talk about the game a little bit. Bill, that game started out like so many Ole Miss-Vanderbilt games have in the past, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking <laughs> to somebody uh, earlier this week about uh, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, and, and just the kind of the history they have. And they made a good point. They said, you know, when Alabama steps on the field with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is, all, is already down 14 points. Mm -hmm. So they, they just have that inclination that, that they're going to get, they're going to get drummed. And Ole Miss in the past has, has just allowed them to, to have a, uh, a fighter's chance, uh, that mindset that we've got a shot. And uh, that's just that's what you know Vanderbilt's going to do. You know Vanderbilt's going to come in and play. And uh, I'll tell you, number 14 for Vanderbilt, um, you know, he, he has seven touchdowns already on, on the year. And mm -hmm. – if I had to choose one receiver outside, you know, Mingo for this week, uh, my gosh, uh, he was – he's awesome. I mean, you you saw we did everything we could to try to stop him, and we just couldn't. And uh, um, so they definitely gave us their, their best shot, and uh, I'm glad the second half, which, you know, this year – has not been our has not been very good for us. So I was glad to see that we, you know, we took the fight out of Vanderbilt in the second half. Yeah, and then I told everybody all week during my show that like this Vanderbilt team is better. This isn't the same team that has been there for the last three or four years. And, and right. I, I I tried to say that over and over and and that running back, Ray Davis, he's a good little back. He reminds me a little bit of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Will Shepard, that number fourteen. That Jay yes. McGowan wide receiver um, that had yeah. caught the slip slurring. And A.J. Swan, the quarterback, that's a true freshman that was able to perform yeah. against that defense. Will Levis didn't put up, put up numbers like that. Bryce Young didn't put up numbers like that. So there are some good players. Now, in the trenches, they're lacking a little bit. And that's where they have to overcommit to stop the run, and that opened them up on the back end in the past, in my opinion. Yeah, I felt like Vanderbilt – was probably the the most balanced um, team we've played so far. Uh, they could they could run the ball well. They could throw the ball well. Uh, defensively, um, they were able to do things. Uh, um, you know, from a from a standpoint of of being aggressive, but not you know overplaying their hand uh, with trying to stop the run, but just you know you know giving up the pass. Um, I felt like. They were. They probably played their best game that they've played all year long today. Uh, I was really impressed with how with how well they played, especially in the first first half. Um, I would I would go on to say that they were to me they were better than Kentucky last uh, last week, uh, just because they could do both things so well. They you know Kentucky had a couple of plays that were just big plays uh, that got them their their points uh i felt like vanderbilt did a really good job of just staying in the ring in the middle of the ring and just punching it out and making plays and being consistent um 
and not giving up, especially in the first half. Um, and I think that's good for us because I think it showed some of the things that we really have to work on. I think that's one of the things that when you play a Vanderbilt and you have that opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of overlook them um, with them playing so well uh, and so many different facets in the pass game and the rush game, it allows you to see things that you really need to work on. And I think we saw uh, today some of the things that, you know, that we're, we're going to get better because of that. And Vanderbilt played a great game and that helped us going to get better, you know, going against a, an Auburn team that's going to be, you know, very, you know, a, a very uncharacteristic Auburn game, but it's still, you're going to, you're going to have the same thing. You're going to have Auburn going to give us at their absolute, you know, best. And uh, I think we got better today. I think we saw a lot of things that we could improve on. And I think it was a, a, a big positive. Yeah. Um, in the chat, Michael Speck says Vandy has an excellent coach. Yes, they really do. That is an organized team on both sides of the ball. And it shows it's not the Vandy that was two or three years ago. Robbie McClellan says, we wore them down in the second half. They didn't have any gas left in the tank. No, they were it. And Jordan Watkins became another weapon today. Robbie McClellan says that. And me and Bill has been, we've been a proponent of using the middle of the field. And Jordan Watkins appeared in this game. And this game started to turn whenever he was hit in the middle of the field. They ran a hide route. He got behind the linebackers, and it opened up, and that was Ole Miss's first touchdown. And then all of a sudden, Michael Trigg down the field. Jordan Watkins ended up with six or seven catches. Uh, you saw the offense really get opened up, and you saw it for the better. And what it saw, like 449 yards of passing by Jackson Dart and two passes that kind of Jackson Dart probably wishes he had back. Um, he's going to have to learn from this and everything going. But this is a game, in my opinion, that Ole Miss does not win without Jackson Dart. They got out of the run-first mentality, opened up the playbook, and he was able to basically discombobulate the Vandy defense. And by the end, Vandy didn't know if we were coming or going, Bill. Yeah, well, so to my point, I think that you've got a, a really good Vanderbilt team that forced you to do things that you typically wouldn't want to do, which is uh, have to pivot from your run first offense to your, uh, we're going to have to win by establishing the pass first. So again, Vanderbilt didn't, didn't, you know, just say, Hey, you know what, we're going to sacrifice the pass and just stack the box and keep you from, inning uh, us. I felt like they did a really good job of being able to uh, kind of combat both. So I think they have a really good defense and it allowed us to focus on being a better uh, you're going to, to go far in the SEC run you're going to have to rely more on Jackson Dart and you're going to have to rely more on Jordan Watkins and obviously Mingo and and your other cast of guys. And you're going to have to open it up and you're going to have to attack the middle of the field. You're going to have to establish that pass first. And Vanderbilt did a really good job of forcing us to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that was something that they really showed today. I think also we kind of mentioned it 
before, you know, we haven't run a lot of screen passes with our receivers. And today that's one thing we did. We, you know, th- we utilized Mingo getting the ball in his hands. What a great athlete he is. Uh, so I think those were uh, two things that to me that stood out was one, having to establish the pass first. Um, and then two, you guys are screen passes with our receivers need the ball in their hand, letting them go to work. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I did like the screen passes. Some more under center work was done. Mike Biggs in the chat says, I think Vandy had the perfect game plan for us and executed it flawlessly until the second half. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, we we stubbornly tried to run against their stacked line. And I, if y'all listened to the show last week, we said that Vandy was going to make Jackson Dart beat them. It didn't matter. They were going to overload um, our line. If we had six people in the line, they were going to have seven people in the box and they were just not going to get beat by the inside zone play. And Jackson Dart would have been forced to beat him, and he did. And it's one of those games that Auburn and LSU, they're going to see this film, and all of a sudden, well, now we can't just do eight in the box because the weapons on the outside can actually hurt us, and they actually use them in creative ways. Don't you think, Bill? I did. And, you know, I – I still, you know, I, I love what they did today, um, but I still like more of, I would like to see a little bit more of your, uh, your curls and your, just your digs. Uh, I know uh, which a dig is, of you know, 10 yard, 15 yard break in, um, you know, to me, it, it's, uh, we're utilizing so much of our, uh, um, uh, our offense in the way that it's designed. But I think when you play today, like Vanderbilt hitting those middle of the fields, you know, it's going to, it's going to just allow us to do so much more. And, you know, that's the only thing I'm concerned about is I want to see a little bit more of our being very intentional and running, you know, more of a, uh, um, I would say your, 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 your typical uh, route tree routes, um, that are consistent. Um, I, I feel like we're still, you know, having to run a lot of just kind of drags. Um, I am a little, I'm still a little bit concerned about that, but I felt like we did more of that today. We like with, with Watkins being able to get him in the, in the field more, getting him in the middle of the field, hitting that, attacking that. Um, and, uh, so I, I was happy to see it. Yeah, and let's hear from Underdog Fantasy right now. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Go to the Underdog website, create an account, and look for the different pick'em choices for Ole Miss each week. Um, basically, you can, like today, you could decide whether or not Anthony Richards is going to be higher or lower than um, 200 and a half passing yards against Mizzou. Or Stetson Bennett higher or lower than 207 and a half passing yards against Auburn. Stuff like that. Um, it's available in 30 states. Um, and it's easy to pick and play. And you don't have to just pick Ole Miss. You can pick any other players um, and decide if they'll pick higher, finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there. And you can win cold hard cash in a single game. So this is what you do. Sign up with promo code Locked On. one word. An underdog will double your first deposit of up to 100 bucks. Deposit 100 bucks, get 100 bucks free. Go to underdogfantasy.com, 
Find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy. Promo code locked on. That's one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're here with Bill Flowers. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's available on all the places you normally get your podcasts. This is this is the postcast. We're having a good time here. Bill's on his way back from the lake. He watched the game. He's talking about what he saw. One thing that I want to talk about real quick is I'm beginning to think that um, Jordan Watkins – may have displaced Jalen Robinson. We all thought Jalen Robinson was going to be the dude. But it looks like Jordan Watkins is kind of making that slot position his own. What do you think? Yeah, I for whatever for whatever it is, today was the first time that it looked like they they targeted that slot receiver and made it a uh, a priority. So I don't know from a standpoint, is it, was it just a lack of opportunities? Was it a lack of focus? Was, 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 was Watkins just the, the, the guy that got his number called for, for today? I mean, again, you've heard me talk about it. You know, I think the middle of the field is absolutely crucial. And I felt like they, they involved him more uh, in that, but he's obviously playing a lot more. You know, I think the, I think our offense is, is starting to open up. So to look at to look at what we've done in the you know the first four games versus today, you know, might not give you a good body of work to see what's what the real offense looks like moving forward. You might start seeing, you know, whoever that slot receiver is making it a much more of a, a focal point of getting the ball in their hands. And uh I think that is going to be, you know, obviously absolutely vital in order for us to have a a, 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 a long run into this uh, teeth of the SEC. Yeah, uh, Mike Biggs has a question. He wanted to know if Trigg is okay. It looked like he hurt his shoulder. Yeah, I think he got a stinger, it looked like, when he got up. He got a little bit of a stinger. Um, we'll have to hear what they say about injuries. I know they don't talk about injuries very much. Um Glenn Breland says, I like the show, but no more rat poison. Deal with the game in hand, not weeks down the road. Um, well, I don't play the game in hand, um, so I can look ahead from time to time. But seriously, thanks for watching, Glenn. Anyway, Bill, back in 2003, you guys went up to Nashville, and it required like a Jonathan Nichols 51-yard field goal for you guys to beat Vanderbilt that day. That team, as we all know, ended up 10-3, and 7-1 and in the SEC. Talk about playing real quick in that game and then compare it to probably what went on in this game. Well, again, whenever you're playing Vanderbilt, you're getting their best their best play. You've got that opportunity where someone's coming in going, hey, we got a chance. Again, when they play Alabama, when they've played Florida, when they've played other, you know, big time teams, you know, they walk in with a fourteen with a with a fourteen point deficit uh, mindset. Uh, with Ole Miss, they feel like they've got opportunity. They feel like they've got a shot. You know, they play us year after year uh, because we're in that. We're in that. Uh, um, every year we we play. They're our East opponent, mm-hmm. and so when we went in there, they give us our best shot. It's it's an environment that's not that's not real crazy, 
they don't they don't expect it to be crazy but they you just get their absolute best and today you saw that you saw a, a much better uh um team uh than what you usually see for vanderbilt and i think All right. Bill's audio is cut out for a second. Um, he's probably going through a dead spot. Omit. Um, he's still talking in the background. Maybe he'll come back on in just a second. Um, but anyway, Ole Miss outscored Vandy 42-8 to in the last 31 minutes of the game as they um, basically unveiled their full offense for the first time. You know, Auburn is up next. Everybody's going to start to point about Auburn. Um, and that is – Interesting. I mean, Bill's probably going to drop off. He's probably in some place in rural Alabama. But when he comes back, you'll you'll be able to hear him. So, Jackson Dart threw for 449 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Jonathan Mingo had nine catches for 247 and two touchdowns. Um, that is pretty consistent. Um, Ole Miss has broken the record for receiving yards in a single game. I think Eddie Small did it back in 91 or something like that with like 210 yards. And then you had um, A.J. probably broke it again, but Elijah Moore said it um, recently, um, 230-something yards. And then Jonathan Mingo was able to um, kind of take care of that. Um, yeah, I, Bill, if you can hear me, um, I, can't, I can't hear you. Um so we're just waiting. You're probably going through a dead dead zone. Um, anyway, anyway, in the chat, real quick, um, are, are, is there any questions or thoughts about the game? Participate in the show, real quick. Let us know what we can do. Um, talk about the first 29 minutes of this game. Talk about um, what went on and how you thought about it. And, and what it made you feel like. Just participate in the chat. Talk about that real quick. And um, I know I was absolutely nervous. Um, once it became 20 to 10, it became, it's like, if we don't score before halftime, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a real problem. And there's Bill. He's back. Yeah. Um, I was just explaining to people, it's like, when it was 20 to 10, when Vandy went up 20 to 10, and there was like two and a half minutes left to go in the first half. The biggest play of that game, or the biggest drive of that game, and the awakening of Ole Miss as an offensive unit was that drive before halftime to make it 20-17. to 17. What are your thoughts, Bill? Well, yeah, and it, and it kind of, you know, stimulates the team to realize, okay, we know we're going to win this game, but we're going to have to be really focused. And... Uh, we're going to have to give it all we've got. And I think that that drive was also the beginning of the coaches going, okay, all right, we've got to, we, we've got to pivot. we got to be a little bit more focused on establishing our pass. Um, and it just took us a little while to, to get our groove. And when you're playing from behind against, against a Vanderbilt team that you know you're probably going to you, – you know you're probably going to win, um, having that – drive going into the halftime just kind of reassures you guys that okay we're going to take care of business this is fine you know it's not to be expe uh unexpected that Vanderbilt's going to be playing with us 
but it gives you the confidence to know that you're going to go out there and you are going to, you know, pull away. Those players in that locker room, they absolutely knew what they could do. They, they knew what was going to happen. It's just when you going into that, going into that halftime with that, with that drive gave both the, the coaches and the players confidence moving forward. Yeah, I, I, and honestly, I do think that drive is the reason in the second half they completely opened things up. That was the thing, okay, he can do that. Now, Jackson Dart had two horrible interceptions. For people that say, I will not um, criticize him, I don't think both of his – this first interception was as bad as any that I've ever seen. The second, it looked like he tried to pull the string a little bit, like in the middle of his motion. He, 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 he tried to stop it, so that's the reason it looked the way it did. But – for the most part, take take the other the other um, thirty three or so passes. He did a fantastic job. He really did. He won this game by being the weapon that we needed him to be. What he was recruited to be. So uh, here's here's the one issue. Uh, uh, people might be scratching their head a little bit on what's Bill talking about. Why is he why is he always wanting more of these route tree routes for the receivers? What's he really wanting? You know, for example, uh, Mingo, his first touchdown uh, with the, uh, it was sort of like the, the it, it, it's a trickery front. It was a trickery play. He, he, he went in to try to block the, the, the safety and then, and then takes off. Uh, that was, that was great. But what I'm wanting to see is I'm wanting to see Mingo uh, and these other receivers run these routes where essentially uh, Jackson Dart can do a, a four-step drop and get the ball out of his hands. Uh, you know, these skinny posts, these digs, these, these, these curls, those are much easier to throw to get, these, to get a quarterback on rhythm um, and to be consistent in – and getting those rhythms going. I feel like Jackson Dart, you know, is having to, uh, you know, rely on uh, some of these plays where the play takes a while to develop. Um, and when that happens, um, you know, it's just, you're going to make some boneheaded plays. Um, and I think, you know, Lane Kiffin has done a really good job of making sure that this kid's head stays on his shoulders. And doesn't and doesn't start to to get big, but I think from you know today you started seeing more throwing the ball in the middle of the field. I think you're going to see him really evolve and really get really 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 good once he can be more consistent in throwing these you know four step drop get the ball out of your hands uh, in the middle of the field uh, 15 yard routes. That to me is where you're going to start seeing him really progress. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but um, when you're seeing the ball get out of his hand, uh, you know, uh, in your, with these 15-yard, 10-yard, uh, uh, extending extending the plays, I'm telling you, this kid's got all the tools to be as good as you want him to be, um, but. You're going to have to put him in position to do that. And I think, you know, being able to get him to be consistent in throwing these 15, 
15 yards across the middle, getting the, the, these these curls, you know, finding the finding the holes in the zone routes, um, getting him feel comfortable in those. Uh, I think that's where that's where you're going to see him really become really good. Um, so that's that's my thought on his progress. And yes, he's you're, you're, these guys are going to make some mistakes. I mean, to think that he's not going to make some boneheaded mistakes is, is crazy. Uh, and that's but that to Kiffin's um, credit. He's been as careful as possible, trying to bring him along, um, trying to make sure that you know he doesn't put him in a position to fail. Um, and I think he's done a really good job of doing that. And you can see him starting to open up the offense more to do that. Yeah, as he comes along. And I noticed today in the this Vanderbilt game, there was some three-step stuff, some like four or five-yard hitches that were just yeah. out there taking advantage of soft coverage. Something like that. And it looked like Jackson Dart really got into a rhythm doing yes. that. And that's, and, and that, that's where you're going to see him really excel and feel mm-hmm. more confident and feel better about it and being able to manipulate the defense with those with, with those quick passes and utilizing the strength that he's got. My gosh, is he's, he, his that ball comes out of his hands as pretty as any quarterback I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- really good. And also, they um, somebody talked in, in the chat, I forget who it was, and said he's a little bit behind on some of his passes over the middle. Well, that's because he hasn't had as many reps as he should have at this point. Um, I do think that they played this competition out a little bit too long, and because of that, Jackson Dart didn't get some of the reps and wasn't able to throw some of those routes in times because it's not just games that it was split up. It was in practice where they were splitting reps. So he's going to get better. The the accuracy is going to get better um, in the crossing routes and things like that. Well, I will Bill. say, well, I, again, you heard me in in the beginning of the season just, you know, pounding the, the table about throwing the ball in the middle of the field because mm-hmm. that's that's the point. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what you need to do. You know, you need to be able to get those reps and those reps against small schools are valuable because it's live fire and so to me i think they've they, they've uh uh held the the playbook a little you know a little too closed and now you're you know wanting him to you know throw those balls to throw those timing routes to throw those things against you know better caliber teams so um again i don't think that throwing the ball in the middle of the field is ever showing your hand uh, of what you're going to do because you know a team is going to utilize the middle of the field at, at some point. You know they are, uh, unless they just absolutely will not, which you know I, I, w- I would think it's it's crazy. Um, so I've always thought that they should have been throwing the ball. They sh- they should have been throwing more of these routes to create this uh, camaraderie and and this rhythm for him. So when he gets to play against these higher caliber teams that they already, he's already, you know, feeling good about it because again, last week and this week was the really the first time that they've hit in the middle of the field. And that's to me, the, the repetition and practice is one thing, but live fire is, uh, is, is, you know, is, is what you want. And it's going to improve over time. We're going to talk about Auburn in just a second. But before we do, 
Ole Miss, um, as I told said earlier, the last 31 minutes of the game, they outscored Vandy 42-8. Jonathan Mingo set the single-game receiving record with 247 yards, had two touchdowns. Jonathan Mingo just kind of looks like a super athlete at this point. It, it just looks so easy right now. Whenever he gets the ball in open space, it's almost like the cornerback has no chance to bring him down without help. Is that right, Bill? And the guy is a freak athlete. He's hmm. 6'2", 225, hmm. and I mean, that's that's a that's a brown size uh, receiver. I mean, hmm. he, he is. I mean, that, that's you're looking at a uh, uh, a stud athlete uh, who's really fast. It seems like. Um, I mean, last year they they mentioned it. our best receiver was out. You know, so even last year, I think they 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 realized that he's the the best the best receiver Ole Miss has, um, and so I think that uh, getting the ball in his hands whenever whenever they can, especially with these uh, uh, screen passes, they saw we've got to put the ball in his hand more, and he is a stud. Now, um, this is just my opinion. I've heard nothing or anything like that. Would you consider playing Jonathan Mingo in slot some? Well, I think whenever you have a player with his caliber, uh, you're going to have to put the ball in his hands as much as you can. So mm-hmm. absolutely. I don't think he's he's not your – I mean, I don't think you can look at a receiver and go, well, he's just a flat-out outside receiver. Uh, he looks talented enough and versatile enough. And, and again, our this offense does not seem to, to have really, like – route tree routes Mm. they're all kind of you know it's not your it's not your regular you know i'm going to run a a 12 yard uh you know in route or out route um you know post corner um they're all very kind of uh just it's different from what, what what i'm used to seeing so my point is is that you take an outside receiver and ask him to run a drag route or run a uh, a slogo a slogo route. You know, uh, uh, it, it seems very it seems very easy to do. You're not asking. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it, very easy. I think you could absolutely put him in in a uh, in a slot um, because they don't seem to run all those di- the very different routes. And I think anytime you can get the ball in his hands. And it's going to be, I mean, you saw today that the more that you can put the ball in his hands, the better chance you got to win. All right, before we move on to Auburn, I just want to ask this question because it popped in my head. Do you remember your favorite play in Cuts offense, its play name? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we had Oscar, um, which is a uh, – um, uh, that was a uh, – um, that was a route where – you would, as a slot receiver, you would um, you would get into a uh, let's say let's say you you have a backer on top of you, mm-hmm. uh, inside an outside linebacker. So you would get the chance to to run either a slant or a or an out route, and so you could you and the quarterback knew exactly what you guys were going to uh, you you got to read it. And it was just one of those fun little routes. And then, obviously, my other – I think my other one was probably a, a dig route. 
you know, uh, um, but our one of the one of the someone asked me, you know, tell me. Yeah, Bill went through another dead spot. So um, he'll keep talking for a little bit. But real quick, I will say whenever we come back, um, when we come back, we will talk about the Auburn Tigers right here. Bill is quiet. We can't really hear him anymore. He's cut out again. Um, so um, I'll t- we'll take a short break. After these messages, um, we will talk about the Auburn Tigers. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, um, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications of new videos. And, of course, um, comment and participate with an upvote in the conversation as well. Uh, Mike Biggs says, surprised Malik Heath didn't do much today with the opening up of the pass game. Um, Did he even catch a pass today? Uh, I I think he did, Um, but Jordan Watkins and Jonathan Mingo were the primaries that they were going to. Anyway, we are moving on to the Auburn Tigers. They are set up for um, the game next weekend, 11 o'clock, ESPN. You all know all of that. Um, Auburn was a 42-10 loser to the Georgia Bulldogs today. It was one of those games that Auburn's defense actually played pretty well. Um, But as it went on, Georgia kind of wore them down. Um, I think at one point Derek Hall for Auburn was injured. I don't know exactly what he will do, but that's something for you to keep an eye on as well. But the Auburn Tigers are coming into town. And on the chat, you saw him talking about rat poison, and that was probably a little bit of me talking about Auburn because I am angry at Auburn, and everything that I think about Auburn goes back to when Laquan Treadwell broke his leg and the way that that was handled. Um, it, it's, it's one of those situations to where I don't know if I'll ever be okay with it because it was just handled so poorly. But... That kind of controls my whole way of thinking when it comes to the Auburn Tigers. Next week, we're going to have Zach Blackerby. We're going to do our crossover with Locked on Auburn as well. We're going to do our three takeaways. We're going to do our keys to victory. We're going to do our why Ole Miss wins. And we're going to do our what what to watch for. That, that seems like it would be a pretty decent formula. So we are going to do that um, as well. Um, they're going to play hard. They they are not. Um, they haven't stopped playing hard for Brian Harson at this point. They just have a problem at the quarterback position and offensive line. That that is really where they get them. Their offensive line is weaker than what we saw for today from Vanderbilt. Their offensive line is weaker than what we saw last week against Kentucky. Um. They have Tank Bigsby, and for some reason, he gets like nine carries a game. You have one of the best running backs in the SEC. You don't use them. Defensively, they've played pretty well. They have all those guys that Kevin Steele recruited, um, and people like Derek Hall and um, Wooten and those guys, they're still there. They have some horses there, and they can play defense. So it was important that we opened up the playbook today. I mean, it honestly was because – we need it to do that. 
This is a game I think Ole Miss will be favored over Auburn by probably 14, um, 14 to 15 points. And this is a game that if Ole Miss gets on and jumps early, if they, if they start fast and everybody there is going crazy, um, Michael, um, basically when Laquan Treadwell broke his leg, um, in 2014, there's a headline that was done by the Opelika newspaper and all the celebration on the field and everything. It just said finding a way, and they had a picture of Laquan's leg snapping, and they ran that in their newspaper without any type of retraction or anything going on. Basically, their attitude, even the school and the players, was basically deal with it. And um, they just let it go and did whatever they had to do, and that is what I'm talking about in the Auburn Auburn Treadwell thing. It it was not a good look for them, um, but the, that happening in the immediate aftermath of that uh, affects everything I view about um, Auburn. So we'll see. It should be a good game. The crowd should be really good. Um People are probably going to come out. They're going to be jazzed up. They're going to be ready to go. This is going to be another big game. This is going to be the last home game before Alabama, by the way. So this is going to be a big moment. So everybody can go and show out and be ready to go. And this should be a game that Ole Miss should not lose. Ole Miss should win this game. Auburn is the 14th team in the SEC. Not Vanderbilt. Everybody's going to talk about Vanderbilt. And everybody's going to act like, whoa, you were down at halftime to Vanderbilt. No. Auburn is the worst team in the SEC this year. But this is the same Auburn team that beat Ole Miss last year. Now, Matt Corral got injured and we didn't have any wide receivers. I understand all of that. But those are the people that's coming over here expecting to beat Ole Miss again. Those players have all kinds of confidence. They're going to attack it the same way Vandy does against us, as Bill talked about. Um, When Bill talked about you know, Vandy attacking Ole Miss with confidence. That's what Auburn is going to do that. They're going to come over expecting to win the game, even though Ole Miss is seventh or eighth in the country or whatever they might be. So Ole Miss needs to jump on them, put them to bed, and handle business. Now, one thing I said on Twitter last week, and I absolutely mean it, is the world can't stand, just people can't stand a confident Ole Miss fan. And also, the media can't stand a confident Ole Miss. So, anytime that Ole Miss has something go up, a slip up that they would automatically overlook, like Georgia slipping up a little bit against Missouri, that kind of gets benefit of the doubt. But if Ole Miss does that, all of a sudden there's an inconsistency or a problem with Ole Miss. And this is another example why I can't vote for Ole Miss. And this is the same stuff that we've heard for 40 years. I'm not telling you anything new about that. But be confident. Be confident. Be a confident Ole Miss fan. Because they're they're going to come over here with confidence. And all of team sports is confidence. Your confidence rubs off on the players. Your confidence rubs off on the players. If they are not as confident in what's coming in, all of a sudden that talent gap gets shifted again, kind of like the Vandy did in the first first two quarters today. 
What and Mike says, Mike Big says, there's something I don't understand. Um, Mike, I'm assuming the media ha hates Ole Miss because of a residual from 1962. If, if we're going to be honest about it, because it just happens, it's just the weirdest thing. And Ole Miss has taken every step known to man to separate themselves from what happened in '62. But because Dan Rather was in the Grove with the National Guard, that is going to be the image that's passed down from journalist to journalist to journalist through time. And nationally, whenever they think of Ole Miss, that is probably the story they've heard. It's weird. But thanks to Lane Kiffin, we do get a little bit of benefit of the doubt. It's not as bad as it was, but it still can be pretty bad from time to time. Anyway, tomorrow... Um, we are going to see exactly where they rank. We'll get learn about TV times for Ole Miss and LSU, which, I mean, we'll find up find out about that Monday. But I, I mean, I don't know if CBS is going to put LSU at two thirty. That 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 was a rough look. So, anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for tuning into the show. Watch the show all during the week. We'll do all of our normal stuff, but thank you very much for tuning in. You guys make it. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't even be doing this. So um, we will talk to you later, and see you then.